Our reading for today is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door, outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who were following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On Thursday night, at eight o'clock in the evening, people up and down the country turned out of their houses and went onto the streets. Keeping the appropriate distance from one another, they shouted, applauded, banged saucepans and in some cases set off fireworks. It was, of course, the mass demonstration of public support for carers and key workers. On Friday morning, on the Breakfast News, BBC reporter Dan Johnson said the following. Someone once said that the NHS is the closest we have to our own religion. If so, this is our new regular act of worship. A bit of googling on my part revealed that he was quoting Nigel Lawson, former Chancellor of the Exchequer for the Conservative Party, who actually said, The NHS is the closest thing the English people have to a religion. And I don't want to get overly party political, but I do observe the irony in the fact that the current national emergency has made the National Health Service an unassailable deity for these days, demanding such unambiguous and ubiquitous adoration and sacrificial investment that even our Prime Minister rose from his bed of sickness to stand alone on the steps of Number 10 applauding the NHS. Whereas the last 10 years of political decisions about health spending and privatisation might have led one to conclude that the NHS had become a golden calf in need of breaking up and melting down for profit. How times change. And I wonder, will they change again when the current crisis is past? Will we end up with future manifestos moving us once more towards a privatised and reduced National Health Service? I hope not. But people are fickle and can turn from adulation to anathema in a matter of days. Just ask Jesus applauded and adored as he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, only to be hated and scapegoated by the end of the week. Crowd mentality can turn on a dime, particularly when people are scared, hurting and desperate. And Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem was a carefully staged exercise in what has sometimes been called messianic street theatre designed to tap into the public desperation for release from the tyranny of the Roman Empire that had dominated their lives for decades. The people of Judea were longing for a Messiah, 
someone who would save them from the hostile occupation that was taking their money, their liberty and their freedom of worship. The Jewish scriptures offered a hope for such a figure, who was often held to be a so-called son of David, a rightful heir to David's mythologised kingdom, someone who would restore Israel's political borders and bring freedom and dignity to those currently living in fear, pain and desperation. There had been messianic uprisings before, most notably the Maccabean Revolt, a Jewish rebellion lasting from 167 to 160 BC, led by the Maccabees family against the Hellenistic Empire that had ruled Israel before the Romans. You can read about it in the book of 1 Maccabees, which is in the Apocrypha section of our church Bibles. And if you do, you'll discover that one of the key revolutionaries, a man named, rather pleasingly, Simon, laid siege to Jerusalem, and when he had taken the city for the rebels, staged a triumphal entry into the city. Here's the quote. On the 23rd day of the second month, in the 171st year, the Jews entered Jerusalem with praise and palm branches, and with harps and cymbals and stringed instruments and with hymns and songs, because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. Simon decreed that every year they should celebrate this day with rejoicing. It turns out that Simon Maccabeus knew exactly what he was doing when he staged his triumphal entry, because he knew the book of Zechariah in the Hebrew Scriptures, which indicated that the day of Jerusalem's messianic liberation would be signalled by a victorious leader entering the city in triumph like a general returning from battle. Listen to this from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, if you were going to be a revolutionary Jewish messiah, there was, it seems, a template to follow. And Jesus followed it to the letter, carefully combining elements of both Zechariah and Maccabees. Then, throw in a reference to Psalm 118 and you've got the complete package. And we see this as the crowd welcoming Jesus, quoted from the Messianic Psalm, shouting, Save us! Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! There's no mistaking it. This is a triumphal entry setting up Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. It's interesting, isn't it, that almost half of the text of Mark's narrative of the triumphal entry is given over to the setup, with the whole find me a donkey cameo. None of this is happening by accident. It's a carefully staged piece of messianic street theatre, designed to get the crowd cheering their messiah who was entering Jerusalem in fulfilment of all their expectations of liberation. But there's a twist coming. Because even as the crowd hail Jesus as the one who will revive great David's kingdom, Jesus has already told his disciples that his revolution, his kingdom, will not be a political restoration. And it won't even be a religious revival. He's not coming to fight. He's not coming to re-establish Jewish freedom. He's not coming to cleanse the temple of Roman occupation. Jesus is marching on the city to do battle with the ideologies of nationalism and Zionism that perpetuate systems of violence. He's going to Jerusalem to defeat the deep forces of evil, 
not their temporary temporal manifestations. His parody of a military insurgency is designed to highlight the problem, not be the solution. And the problem is this. The people are addicted to the culture of the quick fix. They long for someone to ride into their lives in triumph and offer them a way out of all their problems. They will stand in the streets and shout and applaud anyone who seems to offer them hope in their darkness. And Jesus is coming to give them a message they don't want to hear, which is that sometimes the path to the new world involves a long and difficult journey through a time of suffering, death and isolation. And as we will discover over the course of the next week, the crowd will not learn this lesson easily. In fact, they will change their allegiance from Jesus to Barabbas, continuing to cheer the violent revolutionary in place of the dissident of meekness, as Martin Joseph calls Jesus. And as we consider our response, as we make our own journeys through this time of suffering, death and isolation, I wonder, I wonder, what are we applauding today that we will shout crucify at tomorrow? Can we see through the culture of the quick fix? Can we find a way past our national obsession with technology as the path to salvation? Can we inhabit a commitment to a better and more sustainable way of being human where we are kind to each other and our planet? I wonder, can we discover in this time that Christ invites us to a deeper journey through life where we address the questions of what it means to be mortal? and when we discover grace in the midst of human frailty? Can we encounter the community of love even as we live in isolation and realise that what binds us to one another is far more than what might divide us? Can we recognise how easily we scapegoat others and learn to reject narratives of me and mine in favour of a commitment to the love of neighbour and of care for those who are vulnerable? I wonder, in essence, whether we can recognise the kingdom that Jesus proclaims, or will we end up being seduced once again by the kingdoms of power and violence that feed our addiction to the quick fix but starve us of deep love and communion. The kingdom of Christ knows no boundaries. It loves all, embraces all and invites us to live the love of God into being in our daily lives as we live lives of sacrifice, taking up our own crosses and following Jesus.